Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where a Karen's wedding gets completely ruined. Our next Reddit post is from Forest Cabin. I've known Pat, a 48-year-old woman, for decades. As far back as I can remember, she was fixated on having five kids and a picket fence dream life. I slowly cut ties with her in college because she was an opportunist and I didn't trust her. She's both manipulative and forceful. Her idea of cute rubs me the wrong way. Pat likes to walk like a penguin when she wants to elicit pity, and she usually does this when she wants to evoke an underdog narrative. I've never seen someone act so despicable and ridiculous at the same time. I moved on with my life, happily got rid of her for years. Pat eventually found me on Facebook. I accepted her friend request out of politeness. Pat has become the epitome of a permissive mother. Her five kids do as they please, and she never calls them out. She tried to force a relationship between me and her daughters and made them call me auntie. Pat tried to drop them at my house uninvited. Her phone calls were insistent. She tried to monopolize my time and she began to show up at my job. I created some boundaries, so she tried to find loopholes. It was a nightmare. My husband and I hosted a party for the new members of our community center. The community center is actually a very informal initiative and my husband and I mainly serve the homeless population. We prefer to help strangers instead of catering to potentially narcissistic acquaintances. We don't mind lending a hand, but we've encountered truly dishonest choosing beggars. The center offers other services, like one of the members helps women get their wedding and prom dresses for free. The community center's headquarters is actually a farm owned by an elderly couple. There's a barn, a venue, and a very nice green field with an artificial lake and some fowl. They charge for the use of their facilities for weddings and stuff, but not for community-oriented stuff. Pat had always been salty at her husband for demanding that she go back to work after baby number three. In the meantime, he worked three jobs. She demanded that he get her pregnant to fulfill her dream of having five kids. He didn't agree because he was already nearly 45 and felt like he might never be able to retire. She got away with bringing new babies into this world anyway. Her fascination with being pregnant comes from all the attention she gets. She's had at least one miscarriage in between each kid. Pat latched onto our group. She never missed any of our activities. I hated having her in my house, but it was an open invitation that included virtually everyone, and she was very active as an event organizer. I didn't like the way that our kids behaved. We had a designated area for parties and entertainment, but our kids always ended up inside my bedroom. We ended up having to watch over them and couldn't even enjoy our own party. I called her days later to get my point across, but she completely cut me off and began talking about herself and said that her kids wanted to come visit again and use our pool. I never acknowledged that. I didn't want to say, no, I will not have your brats over. She also called me as summer was approaching specifically to let me know that her middle daughter was bored and wanted to spend a week at our home. I politely declined, citing that me and my husband have to work and can't entertain guests. She paid no heed. Her kid called me that weekend, calling me auntie and attempting to coax me by saying, Mom says that you invited me to spend summer with you. I quickly clarified and offered an explanation to avoid hurting a kid's self-esteem. Never mind, her daughter just hung up on me. Pat's Facebook also showed some red flags. Some cryptic rants here and there were visible, along with comments and complaints from some of her friends about how Pat had asked someone to watch her kids only for a couple of hours and ended up leaving them all day. Another of her friends criticized her girl's night out because Pat had just asked him to be patient and wait until she could pay some of the money back that she owed them. 
Yet she had money to spend on Friday night outings? I thought that those very public comments on private matters were more like a cry of lost patience. Unpleasant things began to happen. Like the time she volunteered to wrap the Christmas presents for underprivileged kids. We all wanted to create a mix of less costly gifts with really nice ones. Surprisingly, some nice and eye-catching toys and games went missing, but turned up under her Christmas tree, courtesy of her mother-in-law's Facebook posts. No one could prove anything, but it made us hate her. Or the time that my daughter called me in tears to pick her up after she attended Pat's daughter's birthday party, Casey. My daughter had been ignored all night because she didn't give her the expensive gaming stuff that Casey practically demanded. My daughter did ask, but I said no. Instead, we decided to buy Casey a very nice and thoughtful present according to her tastes. So when I went to pick up my daughter, she was sitting alone in the living room while Casey and her friends stayed outside. Stories about Pat and her family multiplied. The owners of the Farm Community Center decided to keep their gates locked unless they had guests or events, because Pat got in the habit of driving in whenever she pleased, and it was either her kids screaming and disturbing the weddings, throwing rocks at the koi in the lake, or harassing the geese in the yard, or how she stiffed another soccer mom with her lunch bill and then pulled the, oh, we're struggling financially card, or how other parents hated her because she created unnecessary hostile competition. When my daughter turned 13, I allowed her to wear my grandma's ring. It's not an expensive piece of jewelry, but it's vintage, and girls nowadays want to look boho. My granny gave it to me when I became a teenager, so I passed it on to my kid so she could wear it on her birth week. It was weird that she became quiet and distracted after that. She also didn't want to go to school, and my husband and I became suspicious. She never opened up, and my other kids had no clue. We went to her school, but her teachers assured us that nothing had changed in her environment. My husband and I suspected that she was being bullied, but our kid gave us no tools to support her. My kid is very sunny and very compassionate. She's never had any problems with the other kids. I called her best friend's mom. Natalie, my kid's best friend, told us what's going on. Casey, Pat's oldest daughter, and my daughter had become close friends. I knew this, and I wasn't too thrilled. Casey was 17, and I thought that the age gap wasn't exactly inappropriate, but I'd rather see my daughter spend time with people in her own age group. Casey's very beautiful and a gifted student. She's also very conceited. To make this story short, she asked my daughter if she could try on the ring and refused to give it back. She later claimed that she lost it, but would look for it, so my daughter was distraught. My daughter kept asking for a ring, and as a result, Casey shunned her and spread the word that my kid was trying to steal her ring. Some of the kids at school took Casey's side. So now Casey just wore my kid's jewelry to school like nothing happened. If that doesn't qualify as taunting, I don't know what does. My guilt comes from not being able to get my daughter to open up and feel safe telling me the truth. I talked to her, and she burst into tears. I was both pained as a mother and furious that some teenage B-word was doing this under our noses. I went straight to Pat's car after school. I asked to talk as Casey was about to go in. So I grabbed Casey's hand and asked to see her jewelry. Casey froze and she tried to make a fist so I became relentless. Casey yelled, Mom! And Pat struggled to get out of the car. I slid the ring off. Casey has tiny hands and wore the ring on her index finger. First, Pat yelled at me. After I confronted her with the engraving on the band, which was my grandma's maiden name, she argued that it was loaned to her daughter by my kid. Then she said that she bought it. I paid no heed. I did warn them that I knew Casey had become an abusive friend to my daughter. Pat called me to tell me off. 
She said that she was trying to raise an assertive young woman and that I had just messed it up by being overbearing. She never apologized for her thief of a child. Pat's husband, Hank, is what can be described as a doormat. Pat wore him down to the knob. He had no choice but to obey her to keep the peace. She was a bully who actively withdrew affection when he didn't follow her wishes, even in public. So she got kids number four and five after a relentless campaign that included leaving him for two months. Her pregnancies were a nuisance because she expected to be treated like the only lady who has ever been pregnant. She strolled around in a wheelchair almost immediately after getting pregnant and she would get very sick on weekends. So her kids would often get sent to friends and family so that she could rest. Pat systematically bullied Hank. She would leave town and take the kids with her. Poor Hank would look distraught, drinking on his porch or just looking really lonely. This is how she got off the hook and was able to leave her job. Hank had virtually no voice, so he struggled to keep the marriage together. Everyone liked him, but hated her equally. Hank loved to talk to other people, but seemed concerned that Pat would be upset. Over time, according to my husband, Hank began to show signs of depression and mental distress. Our friend, Lena, runs the wedding and prom dress initiative. It's not complicated. Dresses are sourced from donations, eBay, trunk shows, etc. Unusually beautiful dresses are retained so that more than one bride gets to wear them. In some cases, a bride will pay 50 bucks, but most of the time, the dresses are donated to the bride. Pat was involved in this. Lena kept her in because they never had any issues, and her task was limited to just shipping the dresses out. Pat decided to renew her vows, and her bridezilla, Karenzilla attitude became the icing on the cake. For starters, she bullied another couple into giving up their wedding date at the farm because she needed her renewal date to match her exact wedding date. They weren't impressed with her harassment, so they booked another venue. As a result, the farm owners were pissed because Pat was already costing them money after she had successfully negotiated a cut in their rate. Because she couldn't afford it, but she'll repay by doing maintenance work around the venue. She never made good on her word. Pat became attached to a particular dress that was already assigned to another bride. Lena made it clear that she would need to pay for her own dress. So Pat played it cool and shipped the wrong gown instead. She was adamant that it was the right dress, despite all the notes in Lena's agenda. The other bride was truly gracious about it. She was obviously disappointed, but never made a scene. What bothered me most is that I picked that dress and bought it for 40 bucks at a garage sale. Not with my money, but with Lena's money. It was a vintage dress, ankle length, with lots of lace and a huge bargain. Again, when confronted, Pat pulled a Casey and used the This is mine strategy. We felt so bad for the other bride that we all did our best to get her something nice to wear. The other bride was a true fighter. She had pulled herself out of welfare, earned her high school diploma, and was working to get on her feet by trying to earn her certificate as an acrylic nail technician. So her reward was to have some Karen steal her dress? Pat never admitted to messing up, but just by the fact that she claimed it was her dress, we knew. Lena never allowed her in her warehouse again. Their last phone fight ended with Pat bringing up the other bride's past like it mattered and This conversation is over. It's my dress and you're mistaken. That was weeks before the other bride's wedding. Pat went all out with her wedding decor. She spent way too much. She hired a caterer for some food, mainly mimosas and appetizers. But the wedding invitation included a request for specific dishes for her Sunday brunch wedding. Either she ran out of banquet money or she was in complete moocher mode. 
I picture the penguin walking around asking everyone to supply her wedding reception with food, and I cringe. There's nothing wrong with potluck weddings. In fact, they can be a nice addition to a very cozy and family-oriented wedding reception. But don't you need to at least be close to your guests in order to ask for such a thing? Even I got an invitation. I told everyone I wasn't going because I was very uncomfortable being told what to bring, and was probably expected to give them a cash gift on top of that. Some of the older ladies in our group agreed. Some said they wouldn't decline in advance because she's a bully and they didn't want a confrontation. Lena called me the night before Pat's ceremony. Lena was there to close the Saturday night bingo, and Pat was awfully friendly. But that's what she does whenever things are going her way. Lena peeked into her garment bag and saw the exact same dress while Pat was caught up supervising the wedding decoration. The thing with Karens is that they expect everyone to suck it up or make their dreams come true. Or they simply underestimate everyone and think that we're all fools. Lena's a very straightforward person with a so-sue-me attitude. She told me that she would just ruin the dress. After all, it was hers, so she could do whatever she wanted. If Pat wanted to take legal action and should things get ugly, she needed to prove ownership. However, the dress was a perfect match. The marks inside the hem and the tag were identical. Even the tag numbers that were punched to identify each dress for logistics purposes matched perfectly. Pat had the dress altered with some extra beading and dyed to a deep cream color. But it was obviously the same garment. Lena and I snuck in before the venue was closed for the night. All brides are allowed to stay in a small bedroom for a small charge so they don't have to drive in on their wedding day. Honestly, the makeshift chapel was gorgeous. I don't know how she paid for it, but it was full of flowers and presumptuous details. I naively brought in some ink to spill on the dress, but Lena said she wanted something more awful, like a nasty surprise. Ink would be too obvious, and if she saw it ahead of time, she might be able to snag another gown from somewhere else. No, the ideal thing was to have her believe that the dress was fine. So Lena locked herself in the bathroom stall and completely cut out the back panel of the dress. She patiently put it back on its hanger and zipped the bag. We left through the emergency door with the back of the dress stuffed inside Alina's purse. I completely hate people who target and steal from people they think are in a weaker position. The wedding was scheduled at 9am. Pat called me at 7am, but I ignored her calls. I picked up at 8am, both curious and wondering if she suspected anything. Pat was frantic. She was crying that she was missing half of her dress. I purposefully made her explain, being annoyingly dense and continuously interrupting her like she does and stalling the conversation. She asked me if I could lend her my wedding dress. I said no, sorry. She then asked me if I could help her get a dress. I was very happy to remind her that the town's bridal shops were closed on Sunday and the others that would open up were almost an hour away. The farm is already almost an hour away from our town. If Pat could get to a shop to rent a dress, she would need to try the dress on and get it steamed. Even if the dress was ready to wear, it would easily take more than two hours round trip. So she asked me to go pick up a dress. Who would pay for this, I wondered. Even if a shop was open and brought her a dress, it would add to the cost. Also, these shops open at 10 or 9.30 at the earliest. By the time I got the dress to her, it would be time to wrap up the wedding because she needed to clear the venue by 12 o'clock for the next event. She broke down and mumbled some stupid stuff that I didn't understand. So Pat hung up on me and called Lena instead. She asked Lena to bring her anything she had available. <laughs> Lena and I ended up delivering the most outdated, moss-smelling, oversized dress. Pat's disappointment was a mix between angry and emotional. 
She also tried to wear her knee-length silk bridal slip as a wedding dress, but it was too obvious and it looked really cheap. She tried to get her daughter to give her her own wedding dress to wear with an open back zipper, but Casey refused, asking wouldn't that mean that she was going to attend the wedding naked? She had a point, and besides, Casey's petite. The dress needed a petticoat to plump up the skirt, which wasn't available, so it dragged all over the floor and Pat had to keep pulling it up. Pat walked down the aisle with one hand on her bouquet and another one grabbing her dress. The dress looked limp and weird with the arrangement of pins that caused the sleeves and neckline to pucker into messy rims. She spent the ceremony looking uncomfortable and out of place. Very few people attended, but that wasn't part of any revenge. That was just how people reacted to her entitled attitude. The dress looked awful. The reception portion of the wedding had all this princely decoration, a very nice cake, and a bridezilla with a dress from hell. I didn't stay, but I was told that she was so disappointed that she spent her own wedding sulking. There was no dance, no actual speech. She had to change into a shirt and leggings because the dress was too uncomfortable. Everyone talked about how Pat put on her flip-flops and walked around aimlessly until she ordered the ushers to start folding up the chairs within one hour of their reception. So she practically kicked everyone out and the cake was never cut. Pat just wasn't the same after this. She wasn't as loud and she avoided everyone. I think she was disappointed that nobody ran to her rescue. Not even her own family who came from out of town. Her husband finally cracked under all this pressure and sought some help. He was slaving away and coming home to clean the house while Pat used her kids as an excuse to spin like crazy. Hank also had to do the kids' homework because Pat never had time or never had the patience. She also refused to get a part-time job so her kids could attend an after-school and get help with their school stuff. Therapy seemed to help Hank because the last time Pat left with all their kids, he didn't seem distraught. He would be riding his bicycle or could be seen more relaxed while mowing his lawn. Hank told my husband that he had contemplated suicide after their third kid. When Pat returned, he maintained the routine, but was interested in going out by himself and doing things for himself. We began to see Pat alone all the time. Hank was seen less and less in the same car and eventually moved in with his parents. He filed for divorce on the grounds of emotional cruelty, and I don't think he won. Instead, there was some sort of settlement or agreement that she wouldn't get close or interact with him unless it had to do with the kids. I also don't know if Pat actually suspected who or what happened to her dress. She slowly pulled away from the community center and became less active in social gatherings. Pat also removed me from her Facebook, as well as mostly everyone else from the school in the center. Whenever I read a story like this, I always have to wonder if being a Karen is basically a self-fulfilling loop. You're a mean and vicious person, and as a result, you push away all of your loved ones. And because you have no loved ones, you become lonely and bitter, which further makes you a mean and vicious person. Which, again, causes no one to like you. So, in a way, I almost want to feel bad for them, but then I remember that they deserve to be miserable. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, then be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcasts every single day.